your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 315 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I am your host, John Chick. Today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Locker Room. Locker Room is a live, audio-only sports talk platform. It is free to download and free to use. Talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. And that song you are hearing right now is, of course, Leave the Lights On from our good friends in Pacifier. You can check those guys out anywhere you get your music. And for today, we got a very special guest for you guys, making his fourth or fifth appearance on the podcast, something like that. We're going to have Mr. Vince Mercogliano. Vince covers the Rangers for Lohud.com and several other publications. It must be said that Vince and I had this conversation on Thursday afternoon, and this is going to be Friday's episode. And so anything that happened with the Rangers between Thursday afternoon and Friday morning is probably not going to be discussed here, but... Be that as it may, Vince and I have a lot of fun just talking about the Rangers this season, his experience covering the team from the press box and empty Madison Square Garden and now a 10% full Madison Square Garden. And obviously we get into everything surrounding the Rangers, everything from Jack Eichel trade rumors to the Rangers possibly looking to move Tony D'Angelo to the coaching staff when they might return from the COVID list and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So without any further ado, let's go ahead and bring in Vince. Enjoy. All right, and so let's go ahead and welcome in our very special guest for the day, Mr. Vince Mercogliano. Vince, how are we doing today, buddy? Doing well, John. Finally a, a relatively normal day. How about you? Uh, hanging in there. You know, it's been uh, definitely an interesting season for the Rangers. A lot of ups and downs and a lot of, uh, you know, subplots that we never could have seen coming. Everything with Tony D'Angelo, everything with Artemi Panarin. But, you know, we'll get to the hockey stuff in just a second. One of the first things I want to do is just kind of ask you what it's been like covering the Rangers this season, because it sounds like you guys are typically at the home games at Madison Square Garden, but then I believe you're watching from home with the rest of us when the Rangers are on the road. Is that correct? Is that kind of the long and short of it? Yes, that is correct. Yeah, it's um, basically the, the league with the protocols that they have in place right now, we aren't given any access to the players. So we can go to the games, the home games in particular is what we're doing this season, but we don't get to go into the locker room. We don't get any face-to-face contact with any players or anything like that. So really, when you go to the game, it's just to be in the arena. And there's perks to that, of course. It's fun to watch the game live. You can catch things that maybe you don't catch at home when you're on TV, whether it's you know looking at both ends of the ice or the bench or the pregame warm-ups. Uh, but, even, but after the game's over, it is talking to players via Zoom, which you can just as easily do from home. And the league, with, with some of the language that they have in place, has really kind of discouraged us from traveling. And, and you know, I think in, in talking to various other reporters and my editors and people like that, it really doesn't make a lot of sense for us to travel knowing that when we go to – like the reason that I would go to cities in the past was to be able to be around the team, to be able to talk to the players face-to-face every day and the coach every day. And to travel to these different cities when you aren't able to do that and everything is through Zoom, which you can you know just as easily do from home – there's really not a lot of reason for traveling. So pretty much every writer I know is in the same boat where they are covering home games. Uh, some aren't. I mean, there are some that aren't comfortable with going out in the world of COVID, which you don't blame them for. But, you know, I, the Rangers take a lot of precautions 
uh, more than most teams in the league from what I understand. When we go to a home game, they schedule us. It's usually for a 7 o'clock game. It's around like 4.30, 4.45. They schedule us to have a COVID test. We do one of the rapid tests. So when I go to the garden, I show up early. I get my test. You sit in the MSG auditorium while you wait for your results to process, which usually takes about half hour, 40 minutes. And then if you pass, they come and tell you you passed, and then you're able to go up to the press box. But it really is – it's really just to watch the game live. Like, that's the only benefit of being there. Um, otherwise, everything is still virtual. Gotcha. Now, what has it been like uh, having fans back in Madison Square Garden? Of course, they're only filling uh, MSG up to 10% at this time. But I'll be honest, you know, watching these games at home, when I heard that the fans were going to go back in, you know, I was obviously happy about it. And it's, you know, another step back toward normalcy. But I didn't know how, you know, noticeable they would be just because there's only about 2,000 or so fans. But I've been surprised by how clearly I can hear them. You hear some Let's Go Ranger chants. You hear the Pop Van Sucks chants. I know that, uh, you know, last night against the Flyers, they were chanting, we want 10. Uh, what has it been like from your point of view? Because I, I imagine you're in the press box. I mean, can you hear the fans? Do you notice them? How, how loud does it get in there? Obviously, not the same as a full house. But, I mean, do, are they noticeable? Oh, yeah, very much so. I, the yeah. press box at MSG isn't like other press boxes. It's You're on the bridge, so you're basically looking down on the ice from a high point of view, but it's wide open, so you hear everything really well. I mean, before the fans were in there especially, you would hear the players talking on the ice because the building was so empty. Now, with the fans, and there's usually been about 1,800 a game is what they're allowing in, it's not one continuous loud noise like it is when the place is completely filled and there's just this constant murmur and the cheers are all sort of in unison. You yeah. get a little bit of that, but you do sort of hear what fans are individually saying more is what I found. And I've heard players say this as well. Like when a guy goes into the penalty box, like an opposing player, Brad Marchand, for example, when he was in there, when the Bruins were in town, you could hear the specifics of what the fans were yelling at him, which I can't necessarily say on a family show. <laughs> yeah. um, but, but like things like that. And like, you know, just if a guy screams out from his feet at one particular player on the ice, whether it's a Ranger or an opponent, you, you hear that stuff kind of loud and clear. Whereas when the building is filled, those screams can get drowned out a little more easily. So I feel like I'm sort of hearing more of the conversation and the banter that's going on with fans now because they're so spaced out and because they're not being drowned out by a larger crowd. Today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. BetOnline offers real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it is free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Once again, BetOnline.ag. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts. You know, something that I definitely need to ask you about, I'm sure every Ranger fan wants to know about this, uh, Jack Eichel. You know, his name comes up in trade rumors. I joked on my on my show not too long ago that, 
you know, every three or four weeks or five weeks, Jack Eichel's name will come up in trade rumors. And it's kind of at a point where I'll believe it when I see it. And I realize he's injured right now. So obviously that could complicate things a little bit. But I mean, do you think there's any chance Jack Eichel gets dealt uh, before the trade deadline this season or maybe in the offseason? And are the Rangers players here? I mean, would they make a serious play for Jack Eichel if the Sabres let it be known that, you know, he's available and they're looking to move him? Yeah, well, I've done a lot of digging on this. Uh, I'm not sure if you've read some of the stuff, but this has been a hot topic, especially when the when Buffalo was in town a few weeks ago. And obviously, Buffalo's season has really deteriorated, so things are not good up there. Actually, on my podcast a couple of weeks ago, I had Bill Hoppy, who's a writer for the Sabers up up in Buffalo, to kind of get his scoop and his ideas of what's you know how things are going up there and what the possibility of an Eichel trade might be. And I've obviously talked to quite a few people around the league, including people with the Rangers, about this topic. So it's definitely something that I've dug into. And I think what's pretty clear to me, and I've been saying all along, is that I do not see anything happening this year. I don't think a deal around the trade deadline is realistic for a variety of reasons. At the top of that list is that the flexibility for teams financially to be able to think about taking on a $10 million contract it's an easier thing for them to do in the off season when they're still maneuvering and, and can free up cap space and don't necessarily have to be under the cap when they make the deal. Uh, so I think that that is one of the main reasons why off season is more likely than now, you know, Bill and a couple yeah. of people from Buffalo that I've spoken to have said that they don't think it's inevitable that he gets traded, but obviously as the situation keeps getting uglier and the losses keep piling up, I believe this would be Eichel's fifth or sixth season, I should say, without making the playoffs. There's always the possibility that frustration mounts to the point where they consider it. But, you know, I know everybody wants to know what would it take to get him. And obviously the asking price from Buffalo is going to be very, very high. Buffalo yep. has two more seasons before his no movement clause kicks in so it's not like an urgent thing where if they don't trade him this summer they won't be able to do it again like let's say for the trade deadline the following season they still have a little flexibility in terms of when he will be able to block a trade that's still a couple years away so i don't know i i think i think it's definitely something that's going to be explored but i do know from talking to the rangers that they are they are interested. There's no doubt about that. I really don't even think if you had Jeff Gordon on the show that he would deny that for the right price they would be interested in Jack Eichel. Everybody knows that center is considered the Rangers' biggest long-term position of need. It's their weakest position in terms of prospects. So obviously for this team to take the next step, they feel like they need to acquire a top six level center. That's definitely a piece that they are going to look to add with the assets that they've accumulated in the last few years you know, trade from a position of strength. They have a lot of winger depth. They have a lot of young defenseman depth. Could they use those pieces to possibly acquire a center? I, I anticipate that happening at some point. The big question is, are they going to aim at the tippy-tippy top of the mountain, aim high for a guy like Eichel and have to pay a premium? Or would they rather go for a guy who's maybe not one of the top 10 players in the league, but a guy who's a solid top six guy. I don't really want to throw any names out there because it's all speculation at this point. Sure. But there yeah. will be other centers available via trade this summer. And there's a couple free agents out there as well. So I think that's really the question that they're weighing right now is do they 
aim high for Eichel, or do they go in another direction and not have to surrender as much in return? And I, and I do think the last thing I'll say on this is they will, I think, from people I've talked to, draw a pretty firm line in not giving up guys that they see as key parts of their core now. Now, I'm sure Buffalo doesn't want to hear that. I'm sure Buffalo is going to ask about a Lafreniere and some of these other highly touted young prospects they have. But my understanding is the Rangers would really have a hard time pulling the trigger on any deal where they had to think about Lafreniere, where they had to think about Kako or Adam Fox or Igor Shesterkin or even Keandre Miller, I think, is entering his way into that conversation. So I think the Rangers would more likely do it if it was guys just a notch below that, maybe Vitaly Kratzoff, Nils Lundqvist, Braden Schneider, names yep. like that are, are who you're more likely to hear. And obviously the Rangers would know that going into an Eichel type of deal, they would have to consider at least, you know, probably one first round pick, which I think they'd be okay with parting with. Uh, but it, it's an interesting dilemma. And, and I think that Gorton is going to show a little patience here. I think, I think he'll be aggressive if he senses that he can make a deal that he feels okay with, but I don't think he's going to be forced into giving up some of these outlandish packages that we've seen people speculate about on social media. Yeah, it's funny, Vincent. I know that this is something that you can probably relate to here because not too long ago I did an episode where I kind of just had a little bit of fun and I put together a couple of, you know, hypothetical trade packages for Buffalo in the event that the Rangers are going to trade for Eichel. And you know how it is, man. You hit, you hear it both ways. You either hear that, oh, man, that's not enough for Jack Eichel. The, the Sabres will never do that. Or you hear, oh, man, you're, you're giving away way too much. We can't do that just for Jack Eichel. Yeah. Have you been there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I know, like... When I wrote the story about it, I mentioned that I definitely think that Philip Heedle is the guy that the Sabres yep. would be interested in because in talking to reporters up there especially and, and people around the league, the, the feeling is that Buffalo wouldn't want to make a deal where it's only prospects and draft picks coming back. They would want some guys that they could plug right into their lineup. They, they would have yep. a really hard time selling it to their fan base to get rid of one of the top five or six centers in the league and not have guys coming back that can help you right away. So I think the Rangers would have to wrap their minds around giving up a guy like Hedl, who they feel really good about. I mean, I know talking to people in the organization, they feel like he, I, he hasn't been quite as good since he came back from the injury and he had COVID and a hand, you know, broken hand. So he was dealing with some stuff, but they feel like he is in a position where he is, a, he is making a jump right now and he's still only 21 and he's got such high end speed and skill in theory, he could eventually develop into a guy who you look at as a legitimate second-line center. I think they see it as a worst case, he's a third-line center. So, you know, they, they would probably have to include someone of that ilk, a couple players of that ilk, to be able to get Eichel. But for them, the question is legitimate when you ask, is it worth it? We have been telling you about Built Bar, the best-tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing-tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all bars. Now is the time to find out which Built Bar is the best. It is Built Bar Madness. Go to BuiltBar.com or to at Built Bar on Twitter. Remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That is LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best-tasting protein bar.
Every Friday on Locked On NHL, join Joe DiBiase of Locked On Sabres and Tom Gazzola of Locked On Oilers as they round up the biggest stories of the week in the NHL and get you prepared for the league's busy weekend slate of games. From breaking down the latest blockbuster trade to sizing up the rivalry matchups on Saturday night, Joe and Tom have every angle of the league covered to close your week. Subscribe to Locked On NHL wherever you get your podcasts. Something else that I got to ask about, obviously the Rangers, they post that big 9 nothing win against the Flyers last night. Uh, basically, it just looked like a, looked like the Flyers were basically just the Rangers' sparring partner last night. But, you know, the million-dollar question coming out of that game, I think, obviously Mika Zibanejad basically just set the world on fire last night. Three goals, three assists, all in one period. Is this the game, Vince, that Mika Zibanejad finally gets it going? I mean, I know you don't have a crystal ball. There's no way to know for sure. But do you feel like this is the point where Mika Zibanejad finally kind of takes off this season? Well, we've said that a couple times now where we felt like he played good games and then, you know, we're wondering if he would if it would snowball from there and if he would be able to continue that success and build momentum in the way that we saw in the second half last year. Obviously, last night's game was on another level, so if there was ever a time that you could say it confidently, it's after Wednesday's game, but it's still to be determined. I'm actually right before we got on the phone, I'm I'm working on my mid-season report right now because that game on Wednesday was the 28th game of the year. So in a 56-game uh, season, we've officially hit the halfway point. And, I mean, to me, that is one of the major priorities, major questions going into the second half of this season is, can he get on a roll? Can he do enough to inspire a lot of confidence going into next season? I feel like last year at this time, we were looking at it and saying, Mika Zibanejad has established himself. He is a legitimate number one center. And then the way the first half of this season went, people were like, well, are we actually so sure about that? So even going into that Eichel conversation for the Rangers, if Mika has a strong finish in the second half, then maybe you don't feel as desperate about needing to lock in a true number one center. Maybe then you're thinking of it a little more along the lines of, okay, we just want a guy who's capable of being a good contributor on the second line, something like that. So I think that this, this will be a really important time for him to prove that, as well as the fact that next year will be the final year of his contract. And I know that there were some discussions or at least thoughts of co- having a conversation regarding an extension this summer. And if he struggles again or more so in the second half, and his production, you know, Wednesday turns out to be a blip in the radar, and the production goes back to what we saw for for most of the season so far, then I think the Rangers are more likely to just let him play out that final year and and take it from there, and there's a lot of uncertainty that comes with that. So I don't know. I can't give you an answer as to whether I think that this will propel him to a strong second half, but I think that this second half will be really important for him and for the future of the Rangers. Yeah, I almost feel like the time could be now, and I don't know how Mika and or the Rangers would feel about in-season contract negotiations. I don't know if they would want to go down that road, but I almost feel like now that his production is down a little bit, maybe you get a little bit of a discount if you talk about him with an ex- uh, about an extension. And, you know, just the fact that he's still just 27, I, I, I can't believe that his, his production is going to, you know, stay at the level that we've seen this season before Wednesday night's game. Uh, any thoughts on that? I mean, is the time to strike almost, I mean, in a way to like buy low on your own player on Mika Zibanejad and maybe you get yourself a little bit of a discount uh, in an extension here? I don't see them negotiating in season. I don't think yeah. that's something that they're talking about, but I, I do think it's, it's a good question to wonder if they go to him this summer and they say, look, 
we're not going to give you nine or ten million dollars a year, but if you're willing to talk about seven-ish, you know, we can make a deal right now. That, that's something that I think would be wise for them to explore because I do feel that he is a legitimate number one center. I do feel that what we saw in the first half this year, I, I can't put my finger on exactly what it was, but part of me at least initially felt like him coming off of COVID-19, it affects everyone differently. You cannot rule that out as something that might have had a lingering effect. And, you know, there's so many other variety. I mean, he said last night, he was like, you know, sometimes the puck just doesn't go in for you. I know that's oversimplifying, but if you look at his shooting percentage, before last night it was like a three. Last yeah. season it was a 20. So, yeah. you know, you don't think he's going to maintain a 20, but you also don't think he's going to maintain a three. So you figure it's got to land somewhere in the middle. And if it's somewhere in the middle, you've got a, you've got a pretty good player. And another thing that, you know, I don't know if fans want to hear this, but I was looking at this for my midseason report. His defensive numbers across the board are significantly better than they were last season. So you could say that, yeah, his offensive production dropped, and there's no denying that at all. But he's actually been a better defensive player this season than he was last season. And if you look at, you know, he's one of their go-to forwards on the PK, and their PK has been outstanding. So I I think that you have a potential two-way, 200-foot, all-around number one center there. And if you can potentially lock him up, for more in the seven, eight million dollar a year range than the nine or ten, then I think that would be a big win for the Rangers. Yeah, definitely. And uh, you know, something else I wanted to ask you about. We got the trade deadline coming up kind of soon. I think it's about three weeks away, something like that. I think April twelve is the day. But I've been saying, you know, mostly that I think it's gonna be a fairly quiet trade deadline for the Rangers. I mean, maybe you move on from like a, a Jack Johnson or a Brennan Smith. You could move one of those guys at the deadline since they're both on expiring contracts anyway, and there might be some young Ranger defenseman that they want to plug into the lineup the rest of the season, but I mean, what do you see the Rangers doing this trade deadline season? And um, is there any chance, somebody specifically I want to ask you about, Tony D'Angelo. I mean, do the Rangers try to, they've already said he's not going to play again for them. So do they look to move him uh, at or near the trade deadline this season? Oh, they've been looking to move him. But uh, everything that I've heard is that it has been a slog. I think they had some initial conversations with a few different teams. But my understanding is that, any team that was rumored or speculated about as far as having interest felt the backlash from their fan base. And most teams are of the mindset right now that they don't want to deal with the PR hit that it would take. Whether it's right or wrong, whether you think he deserves a, ch- a second chance or not, there is he's considered a little bit toxic right now. That, that's been what I, my understanding is from talking to various people. And the Rangers, have, they have not had any luck finding a trade partner for him. Now, part of that is they are adamantly not in favor of eating any of his salary. Some people have wondered, you know, if a team came along with a deal, would the Rangers retain, let's say, 50% of his $4.8 million a year cap it? I was told emphatically that they won't. It, it makes a lot more sense for them from my perspective, and I think from you know any logical person who looks at the cap stuff, for them to wait until the summer, and then they buy him out. And because he's young, his... his cap penalties for the buyouts are much less significant than what we've seen, for example, with Kevin Shattenhurst and, and Henrik Lundqvist. He would cost them under 400000 on the cap next season and then like 800 thousand the following season after. So that's a really, really minor cap penalty to pay for the buyout. So from my perspective from the Rangers, I would rather deal with a $400,000 cap hit next season than 
retain half of his salary just to get him off your hands sooner, in which case you're looking at a $2.4 million cap hit next season. So I think that's the direction that D'Angelo is heading. As for the rest of the trade deadline, listen, I could be wrong, but I don't know if I see a lot happening for the Rangers right now. I, I think that they are certainly interested at some point in, like we talked about earlier, using some of their prospects, using some of their assets to acquire players at a position of need. But I don't know if in this climate with every team so tight against the cap and all the different factors in the shortened season that this trade deadline would be the time for them to strike. I know, of course, that Jeff Gordon is, is looking into a few things, but I think that the time for them to make an impact-type move is more of the summer. And then as far as them being sellers, if you look at their roster right now, they really don't have a lot of guys on expiring contracts that you would think they would be in a position to sell. The one guy who I think was a question mark coming into the season was Pavel Buchnevich because his contract is expiring, but he will only be a restricted free agent this summer, so it's not like the Rangers risk losing him for nothing. You know, They can make him a qualifying offer or come up with another bridge deal or whatever to keep him around. Yep. I mentioned it in my Eichel story that Booch might be a guy that maybe you would look to include in a package if you trade for Eichel or someone some along those lines. But I don't know, especially with how good he's been for them this season, if I see them trading him right now. I would never say never, but I just don't think there are a lot of guys that the Rangers would have in play as far as a guy that they would sell off right now at the deadline. Gotcha. Now, obviously, the Rangers, they got these two games coming up in Washington, D.C. against the Capitals. The Capitals are hot lately. Um, do we have any updates on David Quinn and the rest of the coaching staff? Obviously, they missed this most recent game against the Flyers, but will they be are they going to make the trip down there? Are they going to be back behind the bench or are we rolling with Knobloch, Drury and Murphy for the, for the next couple of games? Any any intel on what's going on there? Yeah, well, we got word today that Quinn and the rest of his staff have been ruled out for the weekend. They will not travel with the team to D.C. So Knobloch, Murphy, and Drury will be on the bench for the two games in D.C. on Friday and Saturday. Beyond that, we don't know. Booch did, I think he slipped, I don't think he was supposed to say this, but he did say during the press conference on Wednesday night that Coach tested positive. So it sounds oh like, yeah, so it sounds like <laughs> Quinn did test positive. But who? I mean, you never know if it can be a false positive. You don't. I don't want to speculate on, on yeah, whether or yeah. not he actually has the virus because we have seen fall. I know, for example, he Kako did have it the second time that he went on the COVID list, but the first time Kako went on the COVID list, it was a false positive. So it happens. Um, but Quinn is not traveling with the team uh, this weekend, and Knobloch will be the head the head guy for the weekend. So he Knobloch had his first practice with the team today. We got a chance to talk to him afterwards. He said this day felt a lot more regular than yesterday did when, you know, he woke up in the morning, he coached Hartford in the morning, he got a text from Drury to stand by and then didn't find out until one o'clock that he was actually going to have to coach the Rangers and then how to fly down from Connecticut into the city. And, and, you know, it was kind of a whirlwind of a day for him, I'm sure. Yeah. Today, they had a light practice. Obviously, they were feeling good about themselves after that 9 nothing win. There was no need to work them too hard after that. And now, you know, Knobloch is heading down with the team to D.C. today. So it's interesting. It's a crazy situation. You know, I feel like we've been on high alert for players appearing on that COVID list, but I, I did not see the, the entire coaching staff ending up in COVID protocol, and now here we are. 
Yeah, man, it's getting to the point where, like, I'm, a, I'm afraid to check Twitter in the last hour or two before the game because we had the coaching staff. You know, they all were ruled out from coaching. You know, what was it, like two hours before the puck dropped last night? And then the game before that, you know, Buchnevich And, I mean, we already knew about Philip DiGiuseppe, but Buchnevich and Adam Fox, they're both added to the list. It's been crazy. I'm, I'm almost afraid to check social media on game night these, these days. Yeah, I, I'm almost afraid to check my phone half the time, especially <laughs> if I, like, think I have a break to, you know, have a meal or – or God forbid, when I tried to move uh, at the end of January, um, it's been nonstop. It's been fun. I mean, this has been, it's like go, go, go craziness this season. It's been, it's been a lot of fun to cover, but every single day it's been something different. Yesterday I knew that something was brewing when they, I tweeted out that they canceled Quinn's availability in the morning with us that, that they usually have on a game day. So I knew that something was brewing, and I, you know, I had, I had heard a little bit about possibly either waiting for guys to get off the COVID list, which did happen with Buchnevich and Fox, but also in the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, are they worried about any guys adding to that list? But I was thinking players, not coaches. And then sure. and, you know, the, news, the news came in around five o'clock and, and off we were with another crazy story to write. Yep, absolutely. And, uh, you know, Alex Georgiev, he's already been announced as the starter for Friday against the Capitals. Do you have any Intel or even just a gut feeling as far as, who might be on net in net on Saturday? I mean, do they, is, is Igor Shesterkin a possibility? Do they go back to Kincaid since it's a back-to-back? Uh, just any, any guess as to who might be there uh, in net on Saturday's game against the Caps? Yeah, well, Knobloch said that Igor is a possibility. I'll sort of believe it when I see it. I watched practice today, and he was on the ice, Igor was, which is a good sign because he hadn't practiced with the team the last few times. And he was in full, you know, full practice gear, full goalie gear. But he didn't take many shots, if any at all, that I saw. It was mostly Georgiev and Kincaid in net. Igor just kind of skated around. He was, you know, doing some some passing with the puck and just kind of watching, observing. He was on the bench for part of it. So I didn't see him facing a heavy workload and looking like he was fully healed and ready to go. Now, I mean, that could change. And he is traveling with the team to D.C., is my understanding. So he's a possibility for Saturday. That's what Knobloch said today. But we'll see would kind of be the position I take on that. I think this groin thing is turning out to be trickier than maybe the Rangers were hoping at first. Gotcha. Now, do you care to make any kind of a prediction for Friday night's game against the Capitals? I mean, it could be a final score. It could be uh, just picking somebody to get on the score sheet. Somebody's going to have multiple assists, whatever it might be. Anything you want to throw out there for this game against the, uh, the Capitals on Friday? Uh, I think my prediction is unpredictability, which is basically yeah. <laughs> what we've gotten from the Rangers all season. Yeah. I, this, is, this is one of the main themes of my midseason report is like this, this roller coaster ride, these ups and downs. The Rangers have had 10 games of the first 28 where they've scored four goals or more, and then they've had six games where they've scored one goal or less, including getting shut out four times. And they have a win against every team in their division, and then they have a loss against every team in their division except for the first-place Capitals. So it's yep. like you – the one thing we know about this team this season is you never know what you're going to get. So yep. I wouldn't suggest wagering anything on Friday night's game. You know, we, we see – I just mentioned that the Capitals are the only team that haven't beaten the Rangers in this division so far this year. So they obviously tend to play pretty well against the Capitals – but they've only played them twice. The Capitals on are, are on a roll. I think they've won six in a row or something like that. So it, it's a tough opponent. All these games seem to be tough, except when you're playing Buffalo. So I don't know. Yeah. I really can't tell you. I, I, I think 
what I will have my eye on more than anything else will be, does Mika follow up his big night with another good game? And can Georgiev get on a roll after we saw him really go into a brutal slump for uh, you know a week or two there? Yeah, sounds good to me, man. So, uh, Vince, listen, this was a ton of fun, as it always is, having you on this show. And uh, we'll definitely have to have you back on here again sometime before the season ends. No problem, John. Anytime. You know how to get me. All right. Once again, a big, big thanks to Mr. Vince Mercagliano for once again joining the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. And a huge thanks to you guys for continuing to tune in. That's going to pretty much do it for today. Obviously, the Rangers back in action tonight, Friday night against the Washington Capitals. They will also play the Caps on Saturday night. The puck drops at 7 p.m. for both of those games. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, this is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time.